you know from endurance races, such a long race, it requires mental focus and mental power. So there would be a point where your body completely fails and now it's your mental power that will take you to the finish line. And once you're almost in control of that, it's an euphoric state and then you cross the finish line and you feel like champion and you're like, if I could do this, I could do anything in life. If I can control how much pain my body went through and and you just the determination and the commitment to finish when everything else says, oh, we just let's stop now. We're just so tired. And that's the addictive part. That makes us sign up again. And in the old days, there was an online sign up as well. You had to stand up in line. So I'd finish the race, let's say like 9, 10 p.m. at night. And I'd line up at 5 in the morning to sign up for the next year. <laughs> This is the Metal Set. Hi, this is Dawn, an ultra cyclist and sports PR specialist. And I'm Afshan, an endurance athlete and journalist. And we're on a quest to bring you stories of tenacity, courage, and metal. From athletes in the Middle East and beyond. If you've been paying attention, triathlons are having a moment in the Middle East. More and more athletes from all over the region are taking up the sport. Equally, Saudi is seeing a booming interest in sports, especially triathlons. And our guest today, has and continues to play a key role in developing it in the region. This unintentional trailblazer is Dr. Dina Altayev, who began tries back in 2005 when no one was doing it and there really wasn't any tri community to fall back on. Dina became the first Arab and first Saudi national to complete an Ironman distance tri. She's also the first Arab woman and Saudi national to qualify and complete the Ironman World Championships in Kona. And she is the first Saudi national to qualify and complete the 70.3 World Championships. Feats and titles she never set out to accomplish. And she was simply looking to challenge herself in sport. In our chat with Dina, she details her start into the world of tries when it was largely unheard of, particularly for a Saudi woman. Along with being a triathlete, she's a certified Ironman coach, an entrepreneur, dentist and mother. She's also one of the founding board members of the Saudi Triathlon Federation. Dina's impact cannot be overstated. And in fact, the day after our chat with her, she featured in the New York Times Weekend magazine. She's an inspiration and role model a wise owl, and the perfect guest for us to welcome into the new year. We hope you enjoy this chat with Dina as much as we did. So let's get into it. Welcome to the podcast. Really excited to have you join us today, our first episode of 2023. Yeah, welcome. Because you've had a really, I guess, trailblazing journey into triathlon and Ironmans when it really wasn't on anyone's radar here in the Middle East. Uh, that's true. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so happy I'm your first episode in 2023. I look forward to like more and more of your episodes and listening and seeing your podcast grow. We'll get some people to try triathlon. Yeah. This year. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe us. us. <laughs> exactly. Probably you, you yeah. girls. Yeah, I mean, look, it's so incredible that you've done so many Ironmans since 2005 when not many people were doing it in the Middle East. And most people, even now, they consider completing one Ironman as that one ultimate goal of their life, right? Because an, a full Ironman is a back-to-back -back 
try of three disciplines. So we are talking about swimming, which is, I think, around a four-kilometer swim. Correct. A 180-kilometer bicycle ride. And 42-kilometer run, which is a full marathon. And that's back-to-back, right? You've done one Ironman every year? Since you almost, began, almost one a year. That's what yeah. my body can can take. Yeah, like don't do and more and that's one. a seventeen-year stint of yours, right? Correct. And between them, you've done more than a hundred triathlons. Correct. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that's a phenomenal number of like triathlons. And what I'm most interested in learning is how you manage it all, because not only do you do triathlons, you're a dentist. You're an academic, you're a mom to three, and you're also an ASICS ambassador. Is that right? That's correct. So, I mean, I'm training for one ultra race right now. I don't have kids. (laughs) (laughs) I was just saying before, like, I can kind of sleep when I want. How much sleep do you manage to get? How do you kind of manage all that? Well, I I really, when I think back at it, I'm like, how did I do it? I just don't know. (laughs) One thing I'm good at is uh, time management. Apparently. So I, uh, sometimes <laughs> really? I overschedule my day, but I like, like, I don't like to waste time. So I, you know, like the week before I would sit and say, okay, this is what I need to do during this week. This is my time. This is when I get up and stuff. So, so um, I try and be as efficient as I can. Usually when I was doing all these things and my kids were young and I was teaching, now I have less on my plate, which mm-hmm. is I'm grateful for. So I would get up in the morning, let's say get up at, at you know, six o'clock by seven o'clock, seven to eight, I do my bike session or run session, then I shower quickly, I go to the university, you know, do my work, whatever, come back, sometimes go to the clinic and then end my day like at the pool or at the gym, sit with the kids a little bit and the day starts again, (laughs) go to sleep. And I was like, sometimes I would, if I have an Ironman, of course, an Ironman is a lot of Mm. commitment. It's a commitment of almost, almost a year of full training and you're doing between 15 to 20 hours a week on average. So I would usually schedule an Ironman towards the summer. So when I have less, I don't have my teaching duties. So then I have more time to train and a little bit more relaxed time. But, uh, you know, I look back at it and I'm grateful for my journey. Like right now, I'm not teaching anymore. So I've got more free time to be ASICS ambassador or to be, you know, do a bit of media stuff. My kids are much older. So I don't have, you know, young, young kids at home that need me to be there. Um, and and I have more time to choose the races I want to, to, you know, try and dif- have different experiences. It's mm. usually not, for me, not just a race, but it's the experience mm-hmm. and the journey that leads to it. Yeah. You grew up in Saudi. What part of Saudi did you grow up uh, in? I was born in Riyadh, okay. and uh, I went to school in Riyadh. I'm originally from Mecca, but I uh, my, my dad had moved to Riyadh for a job, and uh, we, I lived there most of my adult life until I got married, and then I moved to Jeddah. And did sports feature the same way it does now as an adult? Did you grow up doing sport? Uh, my mom was an athlete. She was a track and field runner when okay. she, she went to school in Egypt. So I grew up kind of seeing sports as part of, of, the, of our daily life. You know, I always saw my, my mom either exercising or at that time doing the Jane Fonda mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. workout. Everyone's mom yeah. did Jane Fonda. My mom did Jane Fonda. I remember those yeah. days. So I always liked being active. Like I never <laughs> liked to be, you know, like a, just sit at home and watch TV. Yeah. And on the weekends, you know, like at that time, Friday morning or Thursday morning, I'd get up early and go horseback riding or go and play tennis or just do something fun like that. 
Uh, I also grew up uh, doing martial arts. And I think part of my discipline and my personality probably was shaped nicely because of the discipline of martial arts. Did you have that in school as well? Or did this all was this all extracurricular that your parents had to? Yeah, we did a bit in school. I was uh, we played basketball. Okay. We had we had like PE class, but of course not not enough. Uh, so I did just like kind of random stuff, but never was into one serious sport. Mm-hmm. Is there is there a reason why you tried many different sports? Were you just trying to feel it out or were you bored easily with one sport or the other? It just depends on what uh, ac- uh, accessibility mm-hmm. I had. Like if I was, let's say, if I had a tennis court, then I would play tennis. If I, you know, we were part of uh, an equestrian club. So we all, I had friends that did ho- horseback riding. And then me with my brothers, uh, we all did martial arts. So so it, it depends on what I could do. Mm-hmm. At that time, now you're talking about like in the 90s, uh, sports were, were not that big in general, not for men or women. So it was more about what was available yeah. and then really trying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people are quite curious. Like we had this conversation earlier about like Saudi Arabia, because now there's a lot of attention on sports that are happening, which is fantastic. There's a lot of change. But I think... You know, we've had your third Saudi citizen on the on the podcast, on the podcast and everyone's grown up with sports, sports, you know, in some way. So it's really fantastic people being involved in sports and interesting to hear about how they got involved. Um, I, I would say like outdoor sports mm-hmm. were not as common as they are now, just because, you know, like it wasn't part of the culture. Mm-hmm. There yeah. weren't the facilities. It wasn't, you know, the, the sea walk. Yeah. There wasn't. It just wasn't as developed. So you only did stuff, you know, whether in a gym or like a tennis court or like you had to go to a facility um, to try it. Right. Right. You've spoken about being attracted to sports that are a bit more challenging, a bit more difficult, just so that you can push your boundaries and see where they're at, right? Is that how you found Ironmans? Is that how you found triathlons? I think triathlon found me. Okay. <laughs> I didn't find it. And how did that happen? <laughs> After I moved from tennis and stuff, I started running a little bit. So I would like sign up for a five and a 10K race. You know, I went to school in Boston and, and it was pretty cold then. So uh, <laughs> Really cold. Uh, yeah, Boston is February, so cold. It was like minus. So uh, I started uh, doing spinning at that time. You know, spinning was like a big mm-hmm. thing and uh, uh, I'd always go front line and, and I'd be the first one in front of the teacher because <laughs> I'm always like a good student yeah. <laughs> so I think she said uh, why don't you try uh, outdoor cycling now she told me this in February I'm like sure <laughs> I got yeah. on my put on my ski clothes and I had a really old commuter bike that I bought for like 50 dollars and I went in and uh, she said oh the group meets on you know Sunday morning at this time and we show up and I looked quite different than they did, and my bike was very different. <laughs> so I did my first like outdoor bike session in uh, in February in Boston. In February in Boston. By the oh, time I goodness. got back, it was three hours later. So everybody had packed, and I was the only car left in the parking <laughs> lot. <laughs> and then the gentleman that was, you know, from the cycling club beside me, looked at me. He's like, "I think maybe you need to upgrade your gear a little bit." <laughs> so I started a little bit, you know, looking into okay, maybe I can rent a bike. I started copying what the other people were wearing. I'm like, okay, this must be a bit more efficient than what I was doing. (laughs) And um, then I started like doing a bit more cycling. I really liked it, but I wasn't that efficient, nor did I know what to do on a a road bike outdoor. In the summer, I was in California and I was um, hiking with with a trainer. And then we just, you know, making conversation. And they said, what, what do you have for the rest of the day? And he says, oh, I'm uh, training people for Ironman. Like, oh, this is interesting. What is Ironman? And he's like, they swim this much and they bike this much. And I'm like, 
oh my god this is absolutely horrible <laughs> why would anyone famous ever? last words famous <laughs> last this words this is horrible sign me up yeah <laughs> and i you know by the end of the summer i did my first duathlon a bike run event mm-hmm. and i saw people running in the water it was in san diego that was i think 2000 Right. And they went in and out and stuff, and I'm like, oh my god, why do they swim in such cold water? The waves are big, and it looks so scary. <laughs> and then I started, you know, slowly. So I signed up for my first try. I think that was, yeah, it must have been like 2002, and you know, did it, and then kind of started. Where was that? Where that was your was, first uh, try? That was San Diego too. Okay, that was like the following summer. And then there were people there saying, oh my god. What are these people doing? They're crazy. <laughs> and why are they running <laughs> pointing like at in you. transition? Like why are they so frantic? <laughs> Where are they going? <laughs> I mean, for us, like yeah. swimming is kind of the one thing that yeah. holds us back yeah. from triathlon. Did you know how to swim when you, you know, you're out on a hike with this coach? No, and he's like, no. I mean, I knew how to swim, how to like, like flow in like the yeah. pool. Like, like right. My parents taught me how to swim, but mm. there was no way. a good swimmer nor did i do much open water swimming and even like in 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 jeddah like we live by on the sea but not too many people are comfortable doing open water swimming yeah. and we all know how to swim in a pool but to go in the open water it's, it's a different skill different. that yeah, you need to learn it's a different beast altogether and i think this is the thing that scares the people the most about triathlon is just the open water swimming yeah yeah I yeah. think if I could do the backstroke in a triathlon, you I can. Do. You know, there's no, there's no specific. People stroke, have right? told yeah. me that. I don't know. As long as you finish, right? as long as you finish, I get out of the water, you're one. done. I don't know if I'd make any friends. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So you're the first Saudi national, not just the first Saudi woman, to complete an Ironman distance race. So you mentioned that in 2005. I guess you know, growing up, I'm assuming that there wasn't a tri community in Saudi, but you were in the United States at this stage. Did you find it challenging? Like, did you engage that coach that you were out hiking with as your coach? How did your training go for the first yeah, so, Ironman so, distance? So I first did like between 2000 and 2005. Mm-hmm. I, I did few uh, half Ironmans, right, right. just kind of to to prepare myself and stuff. And, and I knew at that time the coach in a uh, coach in Canada. He kept on telling me like, you know, there's a big difference between a half and a full. And a full is a commitment. Yeah, so, you another know, you, eight hours or so. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> got the difference. It, it's not the commitment in the day, but it's the commitment of the training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by that time, I'd like I'd graduated in 2002 from from Boston, so I went back. I was fully back in Saudi. In Saudi. Yeah, and that time, you know, it wasn't like training peaks or online coaching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All that, like, it was just a phone call <laughs> and they send you an Excel <laughs> sheet that you yeah. kind of fill out and put your your training. So. Yeah. The training was was quite challenging and and I so I did like 90% of my my training indoor. Wow. I had a stationary bike, I had a treadmill and I would swim with my daughter in her school mm-hmm. with with the little kids. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so so it takes a bit because you don't know what to do, you mm. know, and you don't have a community. I, the community aspect only started I would say in the last maybe five years. Mm. Prior to that, it wasn't like triathlon was not that big until you know Ironman, yeah. uh, the seventy point three Dubai and Oman and Bahrain. Well, just in uh, the past ten years here, seeing mm-hmm. like an explosion really yeah, of right. triathlon. But I mean, training for that first race. So you're training in Saudi Arabia, ninety percent indoors, which I think you know a lot of our listeners who are triathletes would find would that find that ludicrous. Really. Yeah, just, well, just like unimaginable, <laughs> yeah. right? But you did it. 
What were, you know, your friends and family kind of thinking about what you're doing? Like, oh, they didn't. They, until now, they don't know. <laughs> you don't tell them. <laughs> Many times they'll introduce me and they'll say, hey, this is Dina. She's a great athlete. And then there'd be a bit of a pause. And then they'd say, she runs marathon. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> or she's Iron. No, but Iron Lady would remember. Iron she's Lady. She's Iron right. Lady. <laughs> well, you are, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would uh, say that. So, so the indoor training was just an obstacle. That mm. As mm. as you said, like I, my personality likes challenges and yeah. likes difficult challenges. Yeah. So I just looked at it as just an obstacle. And, you know, like if this is what I need to do, I need to do. And I just need to keep myself like focused. But then when race day came, I was the happiest because now I'm outdoor and mm. I'm just so distracted by like the roads and the lakes and the yeah. people. <laughs> that you, to me, it was such a pleasant You must experience. tell us what that experience was. Yeah, like, where was the race? The first, the first one I did is uh, is in Canada. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, which, yeah. what, which uh, Penticton. At that time, Penticton, Penticton was in... Iron Man, Canada, in uh, in the Okanagan. Okay, wow. Just outside Vancouver. Wow. And that was, like, that was one of the big Ironman races. And did you time. feel that the indoor training was a hurdle in some way to complete it? Or you were happy with No, I always result? looked at it as, as if you're playing a video game. Right. And then now you're going to go on. <laughs> Before it's with. Yeah. Oh, so like you were in an indoor simulation and then you were just And then recreating. now you're outdoors. Oh, so it wasn't nice. really ideal, but... Uh, it's like how the F1 guys do uh, yeah. it, right? <laughs> but I was also lucky enough to like get some time off work yeah. in mm. the summer. So before that, like a month before the event, I'd go to Vancouver and... And be able to train, you know, properly right. outdoor and do like a good solid blocks of cycling and running and stuff. I mean, it's almost like when I train in the heat here over the summer, I'm like, this is an advantage, yeah. you know, when you go oh, elsewhere yeah. cycling and stuff because I'm used to training in yeah. an adverse condition. Yeah. So was it's, that similar? Like, Yeah, yeah. but and also like a lot of people that live, let's say, if you live in New York, you mm. wouldn't go cycling outdoors yeah. or if yeah. you live somewhere or True. Newfoundland, like where you're from, it'd yeah. probably be freezing. You've got to be indoor yeah. anyway. <laughs> Swim yeah. in the ocean. That's yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> swim in the ocean. So I think it's just, but nowadays, of course, it's easier with Zwift and all yeah, the yeah, platforms. Yes. It's a lot more entertaining than you know, old-fashioned trainer back in the time and just a treadmill. But I, I used to just get the DVDs of the Iron Man videos. Every year they produce, uh, NBC produces yeah. a video highlighting inspirational stories and stuff. And I just memorized all these videos year after year because that's all I would put. Mm. And I would look at it and I would just imagine myself and, you know. You were just hypnotizing yourself yeah. into getting into an Iron Man, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's so important, the visualization aspect exactly. of it and putting yourself in the right yeah. frame of mind and seeing other people achieve and, yeah, absorbing And just asking yourself often, like, why am I doing this? Okay, mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I this is what I want to do and this is the goal that I'm looking for. And and you just we commit like am I willing to do what it takes to get to that uh, finish line mm. yeah. so you crossed the finish line and you were the first Saudi national you know overall to finish an Ironman distance race was there any kind of like for me that's really historic yeah. right like that's such a historic moment was there any did anyone acknowledge it like I hope so <laughs> no at that time like it wasn't it's something I did for myself yeah, yeah. I didn't, I honestly didn't do it so I could be, you know, the yeah, first yeah. Saudi. I just did it because it's a challenge that I put for myself. And when I crossed that finish line, like, the because it's such a long, and you know from endurance races, such a long race, it requires mental focus and mental yeah. power. So there would be a point where your body completely fails, and now it's your mental power that will take that you to so the finish what, line. Yeah. 
and and once you you're almost in control of that it's like it's it's an euphoric state and then you cross you know the finish line and you feel like champion and you're like if i could do this i could do anything in life yeah mm-hmm. if i can control how much pain my body went through and and you just the determination and the commitment to finish when everything else says oh we just let's stop now yeah. we're just so tired and that's the addictive part that makes mm-hmm. everyone that's, that's the, absolutely makes right. us sign up again again <laughs> exactly and in the old days it wasn't online sign up as well you had to stand up in line yeah <laughs> so we I'd finish the race let's say like 9 10 p.m. at night And I'd line up at five in the mornings to sign up for the Another next year. Yeah. Did you have a cheering squad on your first? I had my family. Oh, had, lovely! Yeah, there was one one of the years where everybody had dressed in like the similar costume with the you know with the wig and stuff, <laughs> and they're cheering me. And that's 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 a big part of that is you know, absolutely why I did the race too. You then became the first Arab woman to qualify and complete the Kona Ironman World Championships, right? And that happened in 2018 and then again in 2019 and 2020 and 2020 <laughs> what significance does this title hold for you and the importance of representation because now when you when you started off you were doing it for yourself but now that the endurance community has started building what significance do you think representation as a saudi woman holds in the larger scheme of things so so i was also the first saudi national to you know do uh, competing yes. kona and finish it and and when i went there i'm like oh i i was the first arab woman as well yeah. i didn't look for these titles mm, these titles i just did it again just yes to f- for my own self and because this was my own journey in my own dream so of course the first time I went there this was my dream that I chased for 15 years and to me it was like I just could not believe that I was the video you know I looked at all these videos years yeah. after year and now I'm there so I and I was just like just trying to pinch myself like am I am I really there it's like a goosebump moment <laughs> yeah am I it? like really yeah. there I'm there and uh, and then you know I I was grateful enough to be able to to spread that you know passion and the love for the sport and the, to spread spread what I learned to everybody else around me that wants any sort of inspiration or guidance or you know how you could achieve your dream what you need what to how to believe in yourself Yeah. I think that's so important like yeah. having that self belief, you know, and I'm sure the visualization plays a lot of it does for me anyways, you know, continuously visualizing myself yeah. crossing the finish, finish line, line and yeah. you know getting there no matter what it takes. Like I was like my first race I was like I will crawl, <laughs> I will walk, I will yeah. crawl yeah. across the finish line if I have to. Yeah. But at the start line, you know, what do you tell yourself because always there's start line nerves, right? And particularly, I know you haven't set out to kind of carry these titles but you have you know just by nature of you just doing what you want to do what do you tell yourself at the start line do you have any kind of start line rituals or I do I have like a very uh, specific ritual yeah. oh, <laughs> I always do I, I always carry everybody around me in my heart so whether it's my family it's my loved one my kids so race morning after I get up and you know early meditate a little bit and pray and stuff I always call my mom 
And I'd FaceTime her. I'm like, Mom, I'm about to do the race. This is my tracking (laughs) number. You know, please pray for me. (laughs) I'd also call my kids and my daughter, especially Lana, the eldest. She's like, Mom, do not start without calling me. (laughs) (laughs) They used to say, I mean, when they were young, they could afford to travel and come with me now that they've got their, you know, life commitment and stuff. Maybe not every race. Uh, And I also have one dear friend of mine, Sharon, who comes to every single race. Uh, I do, and she's been doing that for the last 20 years. That's so amazing. she's always by my side. So I almost always try to replicate the same uh, ritual, and that just brings me peace. And then yeah. I call, you know, yeah. if I, you know, whether it's my dad or, or any, any of my dear friends, I'll send them a message. I'm like, hey, guys, you know, I need your prayers. Yeah. I'm about to start the race. I can relate to this because my dad is always my first and my last call in yeah. a race. It's just so calming for me, you know, to, to know that they're there and they're... Yeah, and this, just that they got your back, yeah. you know, like yeah, you're, you're, exactly. you're protected. You're like, you know, somebody, your loved one is yeah. praying for you. Yeah. And then yeah. you enter the race with, with grounding and with blessings. Yeah. I don't like to race with you know, like with my ego Mm. being dominant because this is not how I race and this is not why I do the race. I don't do the race to crush my, you know, enemies. Yeah, I try my best and I always try my best because that's part of my personality. But I do it for more of like a a spiritual reason or or like there's a higher meaning in sports where like you're around all these champions and and every single person has a story of why they are there in the first in the start line. Some are racing for loved ones. Some are racing for a charity. Some are racing just for themselves. Some are racing to get away from difficulty in their lives. Everyone has a story. And I, whenever I pass a person, I just pass them, you know, I wish them all the love and I pass them a lot of, you know, love and, and, and positive energy and I just move on. And if they're suffering, I also wish them, you know, like I hope this, that this day will, you know, ease off and that you will have a good vibes and I just carry on moving. So this, it's not attached to the outcome mm. yeah. because the journey, even the painful journey of the race with its ups and downs still becomes such a positive experience. I think that's so beautiful. You know, I, yeah, that's such a beautiful outlook to have on a race and also respect for your fellow competitors, right? Because I think sometimes you hear story, you know, people, it's very competitive, which is great, you know, if they want to compete and stuff. But I personally, I love the experience of the race, you know, and seeing other people try their best as well alongside yeah. me. So that's beautiful. But know? don't get me wrong. I am also yeah. still very competitive. <laughs> competitive of course. But <laughs> and the, I'll also, push, don't have, the I'll also push myself yeah. to the limit. But my outcome is not always attached to a number. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's attached to an experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the energy of the place matters to me. You know, like the, the, some some places... I felt like very peaceful and like felt that the energy flows nicely. And Hawaii is like that corner. Mm-hmm. The place it has a beautiful energy. Yeah. Some other places were a little more like restricted, a little more rougher energies. And those places, you know, I did that experience. I probably won't go back again. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's my journey and that's how I approach racing. But the outcome is always... First of all, whatever the day will bring, you know, whatever, you know, meant for that day to happen, that's going to happen. Whether mm. you do well or you don't do well, we don't know the outcome, but yeah. the journey we're in control of. Out of all the races you've done, so besides Hawaii, because it looks magical, mm. I haven't been, but it looks like one of the places that I would love to you just... You want to race. Yeah, or, well, or just go and experience. Do a bike course. 
Yeah. <laughs> Are there any other races that stand out in your mind as kind of being a really beautiful, magical experience? I think Canada is a magical experience. It's just because mm-hmm. this was like one of the biggest Ironman races. This was my first Ironman race. Mm-hmm. So it, it holds this, a special place in yeah, your Yeah, and anyways. my family, sometimes it would be my brothers and sisters and my kids and grandma and everybody's there to to cheer. So, you know, having that family support is beautiful. Mm. And it had a nice uh, support. The community loves Ironman. So everybody would like back from Vancouver and get on to, head up to Pendleton Drive for five hours so they could watch the race. Oh, that's wonderful. And we've seen, I guess, recently, you know, since I've lived here as well and become more involved in endurance sports, such an explosion in the community here in the UAE. Triathlons have gone gangbusters. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm even thinking about one. Yeah. <laughs> Some stage, maybe. But before that, now in Saudi Arabia, now there's also triathlons in Saudi Arabia. There was one in Neom recently, and there was True. one. We just had the Abu Dhabi hosting the World Triathlon Championship. Championships, yeah. How would you describe this trend? What do you make of it? And seeing, you know, all of these athletes in the region, in the UAE, more people in Saudi Arabia becoming involved in triathlon. What's your take on... Uh, it's beautiful. I love it because I'm a board member for the in the Saudi Triathlon Federation. Oh, right. amazing. So we have now a team made of females and ma- and I mean females and males. And uh, we were just in Abu Dhabi for the, for the, the World, World Triathlon. We yep. also had the West Asia Triathlon Championship in Hobar. Yeah. It was a professional uh, elite race uh, so the sport is growing and I'm, I'm very grateful that uh, I'm part of it that I could see this change that I see how much people are passionate about it and they're looking to get better and they're looking for a better bike and you know they're looking to improve their training and and the, the federation the government uh, we have a lot of support from the government next year in 2023 we're going to have 15 races in Saudi Arabia wow. and these are all so there is part of it where it is the elite community, the elite team, but there's also the majority, you know, the age group racers. Mm-hmm. That these are these are the majority of the people that will do triathlon yeah. and will do half Ironman and Ironman, and this is great. It's a healthy way of living. It's it's positive. We have a lot of um, kids races as well. We want to attract more young people mm. to see the sport, to do the sports. I think it's a beautiful lifestyle. I know a few people who have done a full Ironman. They've not done as many as you have, which is why I want to talk to you. I'm a sure. Bit. I'm sure there are people that did more. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst my friends, they've all done one, and they're like, "Wow, this was quite a commitment, right?" And we spoke a little bit about this at the start of the uh, start of the show as to what the commitment was for you. When you then decided that you want to do one a year, or you want to test how you could move forward by doing one a year, did you then engage a specific coach are you still with that coach and tell us a little bit about what that structure looks like so you did speak about it being maybe a 14 hour or 15 hour training weeks talk us through that so I agree with you like uh, I didn't start by by wanting to do one a year yeah my goal was always to qualify to Kona okay. I mean I would have done less if I can qualify faster right. <laughs> but it took me a year because of a bit of you know where I lived and I had a, to do a big part of my training indoor and do like blocks of of training camps and stuff so I didn't think I could do well in more than one race a year. And my mm. objective as a human being, you know, as an athlete is not to break down my body, not to do like so many where I could qualify in two years and then be retired because right. my body can't take it anymore. Mm. I always told my coaches, I want to be the 90-year-old 
grandma that is still doing her man. <laughs> and inshallah, God the way you're me going, the, gives me the help. Oh, and, we uh, have no doubt. <laughs> that I could be able to do that. So I, early in my years, it took me a while to, to explain to the coaches where we live, our limitation, our social commitment, how we like, you know, sometimes we need to stay up late because we've got a family wedding or we've got, a, you know, an event or a social event. I can't train more every morning too early. I've got family, I've got kids, I've got grandma, I've got like, our life is a little bit different than the Western world. Right. Uh, so that was like the biggest challenge that I found is like it took a few months for the coach to really understand what I can and what I can't not do and develop almost a, a plan that would be suitable for someone that lives in the Middle East or in the Gulf region. And then I would stay with each coach for about a few years, you know, and then after that, it's always good to move, to try mm. something different. You know, to try a different philosophy, a different way. And uh, I'm quite loyal with coaches. You know, I would stay, I would give it at least five years. And then after that, sometimes something comes up and, and you know, maybe someone is closer to you. But after I finished training for racing at Kona, I uh, decided to become a coach just because I wanted to understand the philosophy behind it. Right. I don't think I will coach myself. I think everybody needs a mentor because yes. you need someone that mm. if you coach yourself, you could put a nice plan, but really sticking to the plan becomes a you bit need more someone. <laughs> You didn't do the race. This yeah, you, you need someone to hold you accountable. Yeah. Accountable really. that would say, oh, you know, no, for I don't sure. think it's going well this way. Maybe you've done too much <laughs> yeah. here. Maybe, you know, add this. Yeah. Or like just you can talk yourself into uh, anything, right? Or and out of anything. And out of anything. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but you could go both ways because I've also seen seen athletes that get so excited about the sport. They read the book and they start doing too much. Mm, and within yeah. one month, oh, they get injured Injuries. and then they can't yeah. sustain it. Or more likely that you would put a, you know, kind of a new year resolution <laughs> and then you kind of fall back a yeah. little bit and other <laughs> things take priority. So that's, you know, after I studied, now I I know now more about, like, what is the yearly training plan and how the plan should fall and, you know, what are your A races and when do you peak and when do you take time off and how much, you know, recovery you do. And also, uh, as an older athlete, your body responds differently than when you're 20 and mm, when you're in true. your 30 and when you're in your 40s. You need to do stuff more. You need more mobility. You need more strength. You need less volume. Like you got to tailor the plan a little bit to be individual for you so you can be sustainable in the sport. You're also involved with running, not just triathlon. I mean, running, running is, part is, of, is a part yeah. of triathlon, but you've also <laughs> doing a marathon every year, yeah. <laughs> along with two other stuff. <laughs> but I, I guess you're involved in the running community, True. people so with people who are not necessarily doing triathlons as well. And you're with um, Asics, the front runners. Is that True. correct? True. I see all over social media building a really, really strong community, which is amazing. Tell us a little bit about your role with them and how you find that kind of dipping out from strict triathlon world into, you know, other... Have you encouraged anyone within the ASICS group to try? Uh, a lot Come of the, uh, the ASICS frontrunners are triathletes, <laughs> oh, okay. yeah. Perfect. But, uh, you know, my as I said uh, earlier, my, my mission is to spread the knowledge and the awareness and the motivation and the support to be mentored to as many people as I can and just spread 
what I've learned to to my community, to mm. my people, to women in the Arab world, to you know women of uh, men and women in Saudi Arabia and the Gulf region. So ASICS is a, is a great partner in my journey, mm. and they they offer a lot of support. And it's just a nice community where when you run with people that are that share the same passion like you, they you know they you can just talk more about stuff that is exciting to you and they'll understand that you have an Ironman and everybody signs up for this and we've got this race. And I'm always a believer in community because when I trained for the longest time, I was by myself. And whenever I go anywhere, like I see all these people training together and they're all wearing the same clothes. And I always wished I had a community. So I'm a big believer in this and I'm a big believer in in building communities because you inspire each other, you support each other, you become healthier, you will influence your kids and your family and and each one of those community will influence each other and then they all come together so it's a cumulative positive power that changes people. Absolutely. It gives me so much joy. I'm with an endurance club and it gives me so much joy to run with them, cycle with them. It's what wakes me up in the morning and gets me going. So, yeah, totally relatable. And then you become friends, you know. It's people that will sleep early and and wake up. Like You all share the same same inspiration. Yeah, you're so like-minded that, you know, you're you end up being friends for life and you're doing things together and it's amazing. We've always spoken about how sports creates community. And yeah. The ultra cycling world, we're a bit lone. <laughs> Sometimes we're lone wolves. But we are connected even if we at ride the end, alone. At the yeah. 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 Even if we ride it's, alone, it's we are connected. It's like what your coach just, one of our guests just said, right? Simon, in one yeah. Of, yeah. He said, um, in a sport where you're often spending days alone, it's amazing how it forges such strong human Con- connections. Yeah. 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 And and you know, I learned from sport is we can look different. We can mm-hmm. come from different background, we can have different skin color, different, you know, religions, different way of dressing. But we all united because we have the love of sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a level playing field. Yeah. It is, and and it is beautiful. Like yeah. we all we may live in different lives, different homes, different cities, but we all share the love of running yeah. or triathlon or the love of sports in yeah. general. When you're on the start line you're just a competitor and But that's I think what also it's the respect for everyone yeah. on the start line, you know, no matter if it, they're quite new to the journey or if they're one of the yeah. elite, you know, athletes. But even in the, the ones are new, that are maybe less fit and mm. yeah. they for them to do so much to make it to the start yeah. line is very inspirational. Very it's not the elite. Yes, the elite you know, athletes are are inspiring in a different way. Yes. But it's the everyday person that sure. manages a job and a family and has to get up early and don't have facilities. And uh, these are the ones that have the determination to make it to the front line in spite of all the obstacles. Yeah, you're actually speaking to the journeys of all our guests who in some way or the other have spoken about an adversity, but we're still nevertheless on the we're start also line. being the beginner right because we all start yeah. somewhere we all started we somewhere. all start yeah. somewhere we don't we're not born <laughs> as elite yeah. athletes you know especially those of us who have found sport you know Later as adults life, yeah. really like you know not trained since a child in anything yeah. in particular but yeah we were all beginners at one stage but it's the journey. Yeah. It's not, it is the journey. It's not the, the outcome is not the time and you know like when you've done many races like I've done many 
the time, I, I forget how my, how, what did I do in this race? Was it 12 hours or 10 hours or 15 hours? But I'll always remember the people I met. For sure. Yes. The memories I made. Yes. The place I was, I went to. Those memories will last forever. Yeah. The time, it kind of fades out a little mm, bit yeah. <laughs> after a while. And that, don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that you don't try hard and you just go, oh, I'm just going to enjoy it. Because... Yeah. You would not, if you make it to the front line, you probably don't have that personality. Yeah. You're probably very competitive. Otherwise, yeah. you wouldn't yeah, be true. doing this. But it's an, a higher level and a higher meaning of uh, racing and of sports. I may know the answer to this, or maybe not. But from all the achievements you have had so far in sport, what are you most proud of or what is the closest to your heart? Of course, the Kona. Yeah. <laughs> of course, because was right. only because Kitching, this, was, this was my dream. This yeah. was something that I believed in. In like I could see it from like I could see myself there. I just didn't know how. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I didn't have the how, nor did I have... Like if I do the math and early on, like especially when I have like trainers that are yeah. that are very um, number oriented, yeah. if they put in the number, they say it's impossible. This girl is not going to make it. You know, like maybe she's not fast enough, maybe. But with determination and with persistence, one day you will have that day when everything is aligned and you're just going to, you know, win. You're just yeah. going to get your, your slot. You're going to get your spot because everything has aligned that day. But you just have to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And be patient. I really believe in that. I agree. Consistency, patience, being kind to yourself as well. I Absolutely. think it's really important. Yeah, You're a board member of the Saudi Triathlon Federation. Correct. We're so excited here in the Middle East to see all of these amazing things happening in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Um, There's a sea change that's happened in the past few years, right? And Yeah, because Saudi is such a big country yeah. as well with so many mm-hmm. potential athletes, you know, able to contribute to the sporting yeah. ecosystem. How would you like to see the the ecosystem develop? Like, I mean, you said there's 15 races in 2023, 15 races, triathlons. Amazing. Like, can you tell us a little more about what's your role with the... With the federation. So we're a new federation. We're about a year old and we have amazing government support. Everybody that is a board member in the federation is a triathlete. So Mm -hmm. everybody's super passionate. We work really well together. And it's super nice that that something is starting from scratch mm. where where the platform can be placed for many, many athletes to come and join on board. So part of our duties is to develop the elite team that would, you know, go to qualify to the Olympics. But also another part of our uh, duty is to develop the, the community, the age group, the, you know, the awareness to triathlon, the races that we put on, the kids' races. I just have a positive impact on mm. the community. So this is really exciting. This is really, really exciting. I'm very grateful that I'm part of this organization and that we've got like great leaders that allow us to put in a platform that is that is sustainable, that is like for future generation to come. So it's great. Yeah, I'm really looking for, I mean, I hope to compete in some competition in yeah. Saudi at some stage. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a cycling race. Yeah. I mean, right within now. a year, we we had the West Asia uh, Championship. That was great. That was the first big international event that yeah. we did. And, and it was a success. And I got to watch all these people and you know, all these beautiful athletes that came from Jordan, Jordan from uh, Syria, from Palestine, from Oman, from Bahrain, from UAE. And it was good. It was like professionally done, and was, I'm very proud. Yeah, of, and I uh, think um, the benefit of racing here and 
in the cooler months at least is that the facilities are really good and the Saudi government is investing Absolutely. in facilities, in facilities. At the and moment. the community loves it and the community like the community it. is very supportive you won't believe how many people were just at the they just came. They were random. They happened to spend their day. It was a Friday morning. And they just looked. And then they came and asked us, like, what is this? What is this race? And how can we sign up? And how often do you do it? So there's a big hunger of the community yeah. for sports and, and for events. And this is yeah. great. It's important. Last I mean, week was the, the Jeddah half marathon. When we used to do this, I we had a half marathon a few years ago. There were a handful of women yeah. doing it. This year, there were a lot it was a big group. We were all in total over 800 people yeah, doing the race. So much and there'll be more next year yeah. as There'll well. be more next year, That's yes. It. When uh, we used to come here like years ago for the 70.3 mm-hmm. uh, Dubai, there'd be just few people from Saudi. Now we're all around 50 athletes that oh. would come to races. And, and more and more, and it's growing. Yeah. They don't need to see DVDs anymore. Yeah. Now <laughs> it's like you can it's see more <laughs> role models. Exactly. Don and I just very recently were talking about what 2023 is going to look like for us, uh, what our races are going to be, if we're going to like, you know, push ourselves in any other sport mm. and things like that. Tell us what your 2023 in terms of sport is going to look like. I what ha- what challenges like, are on the cards? I'm still uh, trying to, uh, you know, like sign up for races and just make my overall year and and uh, pick up races that would fit in my plan. But what I've signed up for is Roth, Challenge Roth. It's always been my bucket race, but I didn't want to do that before I qualified to Kona. And it was also it was also very close to Ramadan, but this year it, it's perfect, and uh, I signed up for that. I'm super excited. So. And you said that's in June, right? That's in that's end of June, and that's like one of that's a, like a bucket list. And for it's me. A very similar to the full Ironman. Like it's it is the a same full dis- Ironman. It is the full uh, Ironman uh, distances. Distance. What makes it different? Uh, then? The the spectators. I think there's uh, there's around fifty thousand people. Wow. Come and watch. Like wow. you feel like you're in the Tour de France. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. Heard, we've right? heard. Uh, we've heard about like the, the, the going that, up the hill or something. Yeah, and, like, and I'm like very I'm, narrow I'm still, turn. Uh, trying to find accommodation. Like it's almost a year away, and uh, everything's sold out. Wow. <laughs> I'm excited about that uh, event. Any new sports on the cards for you? I mean, you've you've mastered three. three. <laughs> I think I'm Never at a stage where I would just like to keep the three. Yeah. <laughs> we always end our episodes asking our guests this one question that I think all of them have such diverse answers mm-hmm. to most of the time. But do you think grit is something that is innate? or can be developed. You've got to have a uh, like a, a baseline. <laughs> it's got to be part of your personality and then you can develop it okay. further. But you've got to have that goal-oriented uh, high achiever personality and then you can you can be a bit more focused on like okay this is what I need to develop and you can have the guidance and the mentorship in order to develop it but I think this is something you've got to have in your personality. Cuz mm-hmm. many people are great people but they yeah. just they don't feel they need to compete. Yeah. Like they're happy with the journey, but they don't feel like the desire to compete. Yeah. Mm. I have a, Whereas other ones would compete to the yeah. elevator button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also have a burning question because yeah. I was just wondering, are your kids into Ironmans and triathlons? Uh, not yet. Not yet. Maybe <laughs> one day. But I've got one daughter that is a yoga, yoga teacher. I've got one daughter that was an ex-swimmer. And my son was a swimmer too. So they both swam for uh, varsity for their oh, school. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. wow. I've got swimming down 
which I think is you said is yeah, the yeah. So maybe one day one. it is. All. It is the most technical, isn't it? Absolutely. And, and, this and is once you stop for a while, like getting back as well is a bit like tricky. I think you swimming know? is one of those things. Like if you learn it early in life, it's so much yeah. easier. Yeah. True. Welp. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I can swim. Yeah. <laughs> I can do a backstroke, clearly. <laughs> I'm still struggling with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us today. Like, thank what you so much. An amazing first episode to yeah. kick off 2023. Absolutely. So... I mean, so many nuggets of wisdom in there. Mm. Oh. And... I think you'll be inspiring some people, maybe us, <laughs> to yeah. sign up. I wait chat. to see you on a, on a start line yeah. somewhere. <laughs> and uh-huh. we look forward to following you in Challenge Roth and yes. your journey. On Excited about that. Inshallah. Thank you so much for inviting me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. I think it's, the episode is great and nice and light and uh, inspiring. And, thank you. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate Thanks. it. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, we We ask that you please share it with family, teammates, friends, and even frenemies, or share via social media. Please also leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Five stars only. And visit us on themetalset.com for more stories and resources. Thanks again for listening. Your support means the world to us. This is The Metal Set.